This is the Honest CEO Show, hosted by the Honest CEO, Caroline Kennedy. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and motivated by the honest stories from passionate, extraordinary business people who share their ups and downs and their learnings on the journey to building success in business. Welcome, and my guest today is Paul Cuban, founder and CEO of Zoo Group. Paul started his career in 1985 as an art director. Ten years later, he began building what became a highly successful branding and advertising business in Canberra, growing it to more than 50 people over a 12-year period. In 2000, Paul inadvertently entered the hospitality industry by acquiring part of a small commercial building with the leading restaurateur. Six months later, after losing a tenant, he decided to create his first hospitality venue. This was the beginning of Cuban Co., a business management company that Paul set up to run his expanding group of restaurants, pubs, clubs and commercial properties. Cuban Co. now also oversees the financial and administrative aspects of Zoo and other creative businesses Paul has investments in. In 2003, Paul helped establish Australia's largest regional airline, Regional Express, Rex as one of the founding shareholders and board member. He was responsible for the launch, branding, marketing and media strategy for the airline until he sold his share at IPO in 2006. In 2007, his business partner sold his share in their advertising business to the STW Group. Three years later, Paul bought the share back with a dream to create a truly independent agency network, the Zoo Group. Zoo Melbourne opened in 2012, followed by Sydney mid-2013, then Auckland in 2014. Paul established a board of key partners and external advisors to help strengthen the business and expand the group. The Zoo Group Singapore office opened late 2015 and Paul's goal is to have 10 agencies in seven countries by the end of the decade. So congratulations, Paul, on your achievements in business to date, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, firstly, tell us about the Zoo Group and how it all began. Um, It began uh, due to, uh, I guess, we expanded um, pretty rapidly in the Canberra market. Um, and that uh, we we were doing a lot of stuff that we hadn't really set out to do. I think sometimes when you expand quickly and you hire people, you can actually kind of wake up sort of 12 months later and, and question um, how you kind of morphed into something <laughs> that you hadn't, uh, you know, hadn't anticipated. And I guess um, that point was a really turning, a big turning point for me. Um, I thought to myself, uh, I want to kind of get back to sort of what we do well, which is really kind of uh, ideation and strategy, um, not not as much as not not as much production work as we we sort of um, become known for. So um, that was a, an opportunity for me to revamp the business and uh, really kind of change how it worked. And uh, moving premises is often a really good way to do that. Um, so we we had a, a space that. Um, we uh, we had just um, built uh, elsewhere to rent out. I decided to move the business to that space, 
um, as much for psychological reasons as anything else. So I guess that was kind of the birth of, of our group um, as it is today. Um, so it's always an opportunity, I think, when you make a dramatic change to, to what you're doing and how you're doing it and, and ultimately where you do it, to then kind of really look at everything that you do and kind of question um, you know, do we need to do it this way, or should should we be doing it a different way, or or a better way? You know, so it's a it's a really kind of a a time of um, reevaluation of everything, and um, and I think when you do that, you can then sort of progress from there in a, in a different, more energetic way. Yeah, absolutely, and I think part of that process is the ongoing evaluation of where you are now and where you want to be in the future and how you're going to get there, isn't it? Which yeah, every sure. business goes through or should go through on a regular basis. Yep, yeah. for sure. Now, yeah. now in 2007, um, you, uh, you sold your business to the big guys and then you soon realised that that decision was the, wasn't the best for you um, and your growing agency. So you bought the agency yep. back. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, my, my my business partner uh, wanted to sell a share, which ultimately he did. I didn't sell my share, so I retained my share, but um, I, I pretty much sort of woke up one day with new, a new business partner who was um, a multinational group um, that, that ended up and owned half of my business. And, uh, look, that was okay for, for, for a year or so, but uh, really wasn't wasn't the right fit for me um you know I had some pretty firm views about how I wanted to do things and um you know as many people find out doing things the multinational way is not always for them yeah um <laughs> I learned a lot it was um a period of significant learning um and a glimpse into kind of how multinational agencies work and how they structure themselves and so forth which was really valuable for me given that we're we're now becoming a multinational group ourselves. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the vibe wasn't great and uh, it, it became pretty clear that um, we were becoming less successful because we were kind of at odds with ourselves, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was uh, the, the catalyst for, for change, um, you know, in terms of what I was talking about before. Yeah. And I understand that initially um, when you – Bought back the business. Your business took, uh, you know, an immense hit. The buyback obviously cost you a lot of money. And um, and what what happened in terms of you know clients and staff? Tell us about that. Yeah, look, the, the buyback didn't cost a lot because um, the business had declined uh, over over the period since those guys bought in. As I said, culturally it wasn't great. <clears throat> we had some people kind of running the business that weren't uh, as, as aligned. Um, and you know, it, you sort of you become something else, and you lose your way, and 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 the business suffers, and the clients um, the clients suffer, you know, the work suffers, and so forth. So, I think when we made a decision to to revamp it, um, we really kind of needed to regrow the business, um, particularly given that we had a more defined focus. I think I think a lot of businesses get stale, and I don't think they know they get stale. I think with us, probably three to five years, we we look at ourselves like like we, we haven't seen ourselves before, and I think that's a really important part of um, of success because you 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 look at yourself outward um, from outside looking in, and as I say, I, and we've always done that, <clears throat> and it's amazing how if you take that risk. 
and you you know you reinvest in the business and you reinvigorate the way you do things. Uh, it's pretty scary, but um, it really does pay dividends. I, I've done it about five or six times in my career for, for different businesses, and it's amazing how pretty much every time um, you get a rapid uplift uh, the following you know twelve months really after you've done it compared to the previous twelve months before before that it happened. Yeah, and I think also the key to that is um, the ongoing evolution of how consumers buy and how that affects businesses and remaining relevant. And it doesn't matter if you're selling business to business or business to consumer. When consumers' buying patterns change, you've got to look at how relevant your business is and remaining relevant. And a lot of businesses don't realise the change or the change in market conditions until their business actually declines. And then it takes such a long time to build that momentum back. But once you do and you review, um, you know, how your ongoing relevance to market and what it means uh, from a strategic point of view and what you need to implement to make sure you remain relevant, then you see that upturn, which is what you've just described. But it can take a while, can't it, to see the results from that. Look, I think the results, if it's dramatic and you draw a line in the sand and you start, you, you review what you're doing and how you're doing it and who your customers are and who else they're buying from and all that kind of stuff, and you get it right, <clears throat> which which takes time. You know? um, it's it's sort of probably a six-month period um, yeah. of, of review prior to actually making that change. Once that's done and if it's done properly, um, then, then the, the improvement can be quite quick. Um, but... You're right. I mean, you know, uh, it takes a long time to uh, to lose day by day um, before you kind of end up in a place where you 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 know you haven't been before. So that's that's really the thing. Like you, you need to give yourself a wake up call um, and just yeah. And you know, one of the one of the biggest things for me is um, <clears throat> Canberra's quite an insular place and. Um, you know, it's 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 got great talent here, but a lot of the talent um, in my industry don't really know what what the industry is like in a multinational sense. And so, when I kind of got out of Canberra and we opened our first office in Melbourne, and I started to interact with you know um, other professionals that had been with multinationals for a long time, really changed my view about. Um, what could be achieved in the Canberra market, you know, and how far yeah. uh, far away uh, what we offered in Canberra was in an advertising marketing sense from from what um, other cities and other countries offered. So, so I think you've got to, if you're going to revamp your business, <clears throat> you've got to really kind of benchmark yourself against not just other businesses in your region, but somehow look at sort of best, best practice sort of nationally yeah. or internationally. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of the ideas come from because, uh, yeah, there's there's so much more to experience and, and that's a great place to start if, you, if you're going to do that. Yeah. Now, the company can, continues to grow, which is fantastic, and you really focus on um, attracting talented staff and new clients. Now, I believe you're known for fostering the entrepreneurial spirit within your team. So can you tell us your top T, uh, three tips for getting the best out of your team. Um, all right, so so it starts definitely with the best people. And as I said, if you if you've met the best people, 
um, in other businesses, you know what they look like. So that's really helpful to to then be able to identify uh, who the best people are and how they work, right? Um, yeah. The second thing is <clears throat> we we attract people. Our our purpose statement is to continually challenge ourselves uh, to find the new better. And so what I tend to do is make it quite difficult for uh, prospective people in, in the initial interview uh, with, with me by saying, look, you know, I'm, I challenge myself significantly um, all the time. Uh, if you're up for a challenge, you and I are going to work really well together. If you're kind of not, then, you know, now's the time to, you know, to, to not continue uh, the process with me. So I think letting people know up front that, you know, I can't help but challenge myself with pretty much everything in every way all the time. And uh, I push people around me pretty hard. And I think that's yeah. probably the first thing is people have to be up for a challenge to, to challenge themselves to learn uh, and develop more themselves, right? So that's, you know, s- skills and all that kind of stuff and, and, um, and expertise is really a separate thing. If they don't, if, not, if they're not at a point in their life where they want to challenge themselves, uh, and grow on a personal level to to learn more and see what they're capable of, um, then it's not going to really work. So I suppose that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, I guess, you know, leading by example. Um, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to inspire people um, by, by actually, you know, being that way yourself. So um, I, I, I tend to to look at things quite differently all the time. And I think that encourages people to to do the same. And I think that's sort of the basis of being entrepreneurial is is um, either either finding a new way to do something or finding um, finding something new. So uh, I, that that's my definition of being entrepreneurial is uh, is doing something new that hasn't been done before or doing something uh, in, in a, a different way. way that has been done yeah. before. And I think that's. It's a leadership thing. It's um, you keep people around you and you inspire them because you naturally, you know, think that way and operate that way yourself. So, yeah. Um, look, sometimes it, it can go too far. I think you've got to have different layers of people. Some some people, you know, they want to be challenged, but but not really out of the box, you know. Um, and other people, you senior people, they've really just got to think completely laterally about solving problems. And uh, I guess that's the key, you know, every problem is an opportunity, as the, as the saying goes. And if you can kind of train people to uh, to think that way, that a, that a problem is a really an opportunity for growth, um, and it's just how you deal with that is, is really, and I, yeah. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And the, that is so true because a problem is an opportunity. And if you see it that way, then it brings opportunity too. Yeah, it's amazing how often a problem well solved can end up with a much better result than had you not had that problem in the first place. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think too, you know, what you've just described is attitude is everything. Um, when it comes to your team, you know, people that are motivated and people that actually feel empowered um, and want to challenge themselves and grow. And it's about having the right attitude and the right cultural fit first and foremost, isn't it, rather than skill and experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the one of the things that we're implementing now in our sort of next metamorphosis from in a business sense is uh, allowing people to work where they want, when they want. 
Um, so we're moving from a time management system to a, a project management system whereby we, we break the job up really carefully up front in a very detailed way, bring the team together or each of the teams together so that they understand what they personally have to deliver at each touch point and then really kind of let them go to, to wherever they want to, to get their work done and um, be really flexible about working hours and be really flexible about whether, you know, how much time they spend in the office as long as they're delivering their bit and they're coming yeah. back together to, to work with others. Uh, we actually think that's going to achieve a much better result in our industry than, you know, getting people to come to work at the same time every day and sort of work at desks. So it's, it's a pretty okay. radical move. But, again, we're, we're in a creative industry. Um, most creative people uh, in any industry do their best work, you know, where, where and when they're in the zone. And uh, I think yeah. it's going to make a pretty big difference to our business. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think it's that um, philosophy of trading time for money as opposed to trading um, for outcome. Do you know what I mean? Being outcome driven as opposed to just trading time for money, as they say. So being a lot more flexible. It's really well, what you, you know. It's really what you do with your time, isn't it? It's um, yeah. It's, it's, it's not about doing things quicker. There's a really good saying uh, that's in our client service induction manual. And it's, a, it's an Abraham Lincoln quote. It says, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the app. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so true, yeah. Now, um, I believe it's important to have authentic conversations around the challenges, insights and learnings that come from business journeys because there are many of them. Mm. Um, and I believe that when opportunities present, it's when an opportunity presents itself, say yes, jump on it and figure the rest out later and, or as you progress. Now, you were pivotal in setting up the Rex Airlines um, after the collapse of ANSAT as you saw an opportunity there for a regional airline and you jumped on it. Mm. Tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, the, your experience around just saying yes and, and moving forward. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we're, a, we're a brand agency, right? So we're, we're sort of creative people um, that, that look at brands and kind of go, well, you know, uh, how do we help that business uh, progress uh, given that its, its brand is, you know, what it is right now and how can changing the brand and the culture of the business um, make it a better business. And I, th I suppose with the, the Rex thing, um, ANSET had disappeared uh, two weeks beforehand and um, you had a couple of regional airlines, Hazelden and Kendall, which were uh, still functioning as regional airlines even though the you know, ANSET were no more. Um, and what I found is that the spirit of the people who were still involved with that airline um, was pretty significant. And that spirit came from the founders of those two regional airlines, which were long gone. But um, the spirit of the people was really, really strong, even though, you know, the, uh, the main airline was no more. So I felt that was a really big opportunity to be able to kind of um, build something from that point. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of the time it's not about the equipment or the hangars or the you know, the, the infrastructure or, or, you know, how much you're paying for for the business. It's actually kind of about, about um, what's the most valuable thing about this business. And in that instance, it was the people. Mm. 
So I guess that's where the opportunity was. It was like, you know, well, we could rebrand this and kind of rebrand it with the spirit of the uh, of, of the of the you know the founders and and the way that people were behaving uh, at that point in time and and that was kind of the the thing that I guess activated me and uh, and another couple of guys that had also had a similar uh, view about the history of the airline and we we kind of came together and, and uh, yeah it worked it sort of um, we did the deal in about a month I think which was pretty good. <laughs> yeah that's quick yeah, <laughs> good it was, outcome it was though just right you know sometimes yeah. I'm a big believer that you know if you listen to the universe, you'll uh, you'll you'll pretty much stay on track. And um, as much as you might want something, um, if it's not right and you push it too hard, you can make it happen, but you probably shouldn't. And so yeah. I think with the Rex thing, um, it was quite uh, it was meant to be because it was actually you know it was hard work you know night and day for a month to get the deal up, but it actually kind of happened without too many major barriers and so that that meant that said to me that it was it was something worthy of doing and, mm. and it worked out pretty well yeah yeah now i see fear particularly fear around making mistakes holding a lot of people back yeah um, however i also believe from mistakes and failings comes huge learning and growth yeah. can you tell us your view on this i mean you know, if you hate failing, and most of us hate failing, it's amazing how much you learn through failure uh, not to do that or other things like that again. And I guess that's sort of what makes you better. Um, you know, I'm 55. I've been in business for, you know, 35 years or something like that. And, um, you know, you make a lot of mistakes. But what I find really interesting is everything's in cycles. So, when you come back to that cycle again, as, as we're sort of doing right now with the expansion of our group, it feels like we're sort of in startup mode again, but obviously at a, at a higher level. Um, yeah. You sort of, everything becomes familiar. And um, you you then kind of, you, you can then apply some of the lessons that you'd learned way back to some of the new situations that you're in. And if you hadn't had those failings um, and those issues in the early days, when you get bigger, um, you can be in real sorts, you know, lot, lots of trouble. So so those failures at, at an early stage where you've got less to lose, um, I think are, are terrific because, um, yeah, when, when you get bigger and inevitably, inevitably you will, if you're good at what you, you do and you want to expand, uh, having those failures at an early age um, and having as many as you can that don't take you out really set you up for minimising your failures when you're at a much bigger scale. Yeah, I, know, I completely agree with that. And I think the other thing is that when you start to recognise the fear of failure and you embrace it or you go through and you realise that you've come out the other end, it, it, it doesn't have the same impact um, because you get used to it as well, don't you? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the big points for me is uh, I got involved in a, in a pretty big nightclub with a bunch of other guys uh, just sort of as an investor and as a creative guy a long time ago. And the nightclub opened and it was significant in Canberra. It was, you know, three times bigger than anything people had seen before and it went really, really well for about a year. And then after that, as things go, um, you know, the owners get cocky or, you know, you take your eye off the ball or, you know, whatever, you, you don't make adjustments to what people are, are wanting. Um, and the nightclub inevitably um, went downhill within sort of the, the following six months. 
and I don't know anything about nightclubs, you know. Um, as I say, I'm a, I'm a creative guy. Um, I'm a business guy. Um, I didn't particularly know about music and and sort of young young people, uh, you know, what they want and all that kind of stuff. And my partners um, decided that they would get out of the nightclub. So uh, that was a pretty scary time for me. And I uh, ended up finding uh, a couple of guys. I don't know whether it was luck or whether it was, you know, good judgment about people, but uh, I, I found a couple of guys and I brought them in. And those guys really turned it around. Um, and so I guess the, the thing for me is uh, I kind of learned that it's not actually about me. It's about me finding the right people. Um, in, in any industry so you can you can be part of something if you apply your business smarts to to any problem by first of all identifying people that know a lot more about that business than you do and getting them to work with you to to regrow it uh, fixing something that's that's not something you have experience with but because you're applying you know good business thinking to finding solutions to fix that really give you a lot of confidence you know what I mean so yeah you know, if it was a, an advertising or a marketing problem uh, or business, I could fix that, right? But in a, in a business where you've got absolutely no idea and you can fix that too, um, yeah, that gives you a lot of confidence, you know. And as you said, you, you said, you and I were talking earlier, um, mm-hmm. every business fundamentally is pretty much the same thing, you know. It's, it's, about, it's about, you know, what does a customer want? Who are the right people to deliver what the customer wants, you know, and and the, the bottom line is often, often the same. It's uh, scarily similar uh, business to business irrespective of what it is. So I think being yeah. able to fix something that's, uh, that's, that's outside your skill set by applying business principles to that and fixing it gives you great confidence. And I always um, believe as well as, you know, surrounding yourself with it, which is what you've just described, surrounding yourself with the peop- the right people. And sometimes it's about if you want to achieve something, um, regardless of what it is, if someone's, you know, walked that path before you, go and talk to them, you know, rather than scrambling, trying to find whatever direction that is, go and talk to them and, and ask them. Um, how they got there and what did they do to get there and use that as a learning as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I was at a seminar the other day and it's uh, it's not, the, the the guy said, it's not what is the answer to, to the problem, it is who can tell me uh, what the answer is. So rather than trying to work it out yourself, work out who knows more about this than you do and go and ask yep. them or go and find them to help you sort that. And it's the who, not the the what, really, you know? Yeah, that is very true, especially in business. And I, I see a lot of business owners, particularly small business owners, um, not recognising that or, or feeling... Um, yeah, that they need to have all know. the answers, but it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's the big thing, isn't it, really? It's like um, acknowledge that you don't have all the answers. Um, that's the first step, isn't it? And once you go, okay, well, I don't, then... Um, then go looking for who does. And I think that's yep. a, a really big I, – I think when I was starting out, you know, I felt the same way. I thought, oh, I have to know all this stuff, you know, and you have to go – I have to go find out, you know, and it's like, well, do you? Or, or do you just go find some people to talk to or bring some people in that actually know a component of your business much better than you do or, or maybe you'll ever, you'll ever know? And that's that's a that's a big thing, I think, for people in, in small business or people that are starting out is uh, recognising yep. that, you know. Yeah. 
And I think that that comes back to working smarter rather than harder, um, you know, and, and realising that you can't know it all and how do you leverage the people around you that have been there and done that or even if they're not around you, go and seek them out because most people are willing to generally help. Well, that's what I found anyway and certainly if anyone ever comes and asks me a question, I'm always willing to help people. You know, it's good. I like to see people succeed and to be part of that process and to give back to people too. Well, we've just opened in Singapore six months ago and there's so many micro-businesses in Singapore that are, are very niche and very uh, run by very capable people. And, and we've spent a lot of time meeting a lot of these people because our model is that we want to work with these people because uh, our industry is, is so diverse in terms of what you need to know and so diverse in terms of um, the, the rapid uh, pace of change. Um, we went and saw uh, three or four social media companies that all do social media, but they all do it in a slightly different way, and it's all quite valuable. So um, I think working with um, specialist companies as opposed to treating them like suppliers is a great way to, um, you know, grow your own business without having to put on, you know, three times the amount of people um, that, that you actually need and it also means that other smaller businesses can benefit from the work that you're giving them and uh, yeah. philosophically that's a, that's a big part of of the new zoo in terms of where we're going not not just in Singapore but but in each of the markets there's, there's just a lot of capable people to work with and I think provided that there's respect um, uh, and there's um, uh, openness about that relationship as opposed to treating them like a supplier I think that that's um, that's the way of the future, you know. Yeah, it's a partnership, isn't it? That's what you've just described, and and partnerships are a way of the future. That word gets used a lot, and I I don't see it um, being practiced. But um, a partnership is something that's quite equal, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people use that word, um, but really, what it's actually about is it's it's about treating somebody like a supplier, and and that's not a partnership. Do you know what I mean? No, and I think the first step in in my view to a partnership is how do you add value to them um, yep. in the first instance without without actually expecting anything in return. Yeah, you know, like you don't yep. go in thinking I want this outcome from them, but what can you actually give them? So, so initially, uh, what we spend a lot of time doing is just meeting people, um, calling them up, and and you know, obviously doing our research and finding out who's the best breed in a certain area in a certain city um, and then just going and having coffee with them and just getting to, to know them and I think the the um, even even just getting to know people and just sharing honestly you know person to person how you feel about the economy and you know the industry and and just getting to, to know them as people is a really good first step and then I think if you can work with each other as people uh, then that's the basis of any business relationship. You, you can then go, okay, well, let's find a way to work together because I really like you, you know, and that's um, and that and it works the other way too. So I like doing that stuff. And I learn yeah. a lot too about, you know, about different niches in our, of our industry that, that I, I really don't know a lot about. That's great. Yeah. And varied views as well, you know. You can oh, be exposed yeah. to so much yep. through that. Yep, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, um, what advice would you give to anyone struggling in business? Uh, 
have a real hard look at why they're struggling. Is it is it them? Because I think most of us would agree that any business's success or failure comes from the person that's running it. And so when I've failed before, when my businesses have failed before, when I've had different people running them, they may not have been the right people to run them, but it's my fault for not having identified that. So it actually kind of comes back to me. And then I kind of go, well, what? why didn't I see this? Did I not know? Did I not have the experience? Was I distracted by something else? In which case, if I'm running a business, I can't be. I need to fix that. So it's kind of coming back to why there's a problem here. And, and usually it's it's like looking at yourself, right? What what Why have I missed this? Why haven't I grown quick enough? Um, so I'd always kind of start with that. Um, you know, personal development stuff is is really at the core of, I think, um, any future uh, solution to yeah. to uh, a business problem. And I think the other thing to add there is I see a lot of, particularly small business owners, uh, not being self-aware. And I think that that's what you've just described. It's yeah. so important to be self-aware. It really is. And to... A, <laughs> And to acknowledge it because... Gee, it's hard though. Uh, it's, uh, you spend your whole life being, being <laughs> as self-aware as you can be. I'm, as I said before, I'm 55 and I reckon I reckon the last year and a half has been huge learning for me in terms of what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. So I think you're absolutely right. Find that as, as early as you can in business. Have a real reality check about, you know, who you are and what you're good at, what you're not good at. And then bring people in around you who are better at those mm-hmm. things. Don't try and be the best at everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And I also, um, I've always believed in business and when I've led businesses yeah. that uh, the fish rots from the head down. Sure does. And yeah. if I'm, you know, at the head, then that's I have to be responsible for everything that goes on in that business, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, and, and be accountable for it. Um, and And sometimes that means that perhaps, you know, I didn't see something um, and it went wrong and, and I have to say, well, how do I fault. improve yeah. that for the or, future? Or, yeah, or, and, and acknowledge it. Or as an example, right, you you come into a business that's not doing well. So that business has employed you to come in and, and make some changes and stuff. I think the first question you've got to ask the, the business owners is um, how much autonomy do I have to make the changes that I think are necessary here? Because if you're brought into something, and, and there are issues, and, and your job is to fix those issues, you need to have a, a fair bit of control. They've got to have trust in you, and you've got to be able to make the changes. They've got to allow you to make the changes that you need to make to make that business better, right? And and so if they're not prepared to do that, if you're being interviewed and and you ask that question and you're feeling doubt that they're going to, to give you the, an, enough rope to be able to do that, then you shouldn't do it because it's going to be a waste of your time and, and their time and everybody's money. So I think yep. that's a really important thing too, you know. It's not just about looking at yourself. It's also about looking at the business that that you might be might have been brought in to, to, to run or fix and kind of making sure that you've, you've got the, um, the, the latitude to be able to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you can't influence change. Yeah. It's, and nothing will change. That's right, because obviously there's a fundamental problem and if you get to the bottom of that, um, you, you've got to be able to fix that. And some, some business owners don't want you to. They, they, they don't want to believe that that's the issue. It's, it's the issue somewhere else. So I guess yep. identifying that pretty quickly prior to making a decision to, to join somebody or not um, is going to save everybody a lot of pain. 
Yeah. And I think that's an extremely valid point um, and something that I learnt the hard way in regards to that, exactly yeah. what you've just described. Yeah. Um, and, and it is so important to make sure that, you know, that you've, you have the ability to be able to influence the change and the autonomy and also that there is that trust and support. Otherwise, it's it's that you just won't see the improvement. As you said before, <clears throat> being self-aware is really key. The more self-aware you are, the, the more you can understand and identify uh, how any partnership is going to be with anyone, you know, hiring the right staff, joining the right company. So it sort of starts with you. If you know you, yeah. then you can ask really good questions um, in these ways of other people. You know, and that goes with getting new clients as well. You know, it's you can get anybody can get new clients, right? Um, but finding the right clients based on uh, you knowing yourself and you being honest with those clients about how you want to work with them—that's um, so important. It just saves so much time, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think um, you know, the, there's so much integrity behind that too. I've always, um, you know, led businesses or worked with clients based on. Um, the shared, not just values, but can we deliver your outcome? Is is there a right expectation? And if there's not, being honest about it. Don't just work with anyone for the sake of it. Actually, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, but try and add, from my perspective, I always really wanted to get those results and those outcomes so that I felt like I contributed and added value. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And finally, what does the future look like for you and your business, Paul, because you're expanding quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, so we've worked pretty hard on on getting a a really interesting but simple model in place, so that we can grow our businesses organically once we set them up, and focus on expanding them to other places using the same model. So, yeah. so that's taken us best part of five years, I guess, to kind of refine that model and really get it right. Um, and the future for us is, yeah, as I say, grow organically in each of the markets that we're in. And we're looking to be in New York by the end of next year. Um, and we've got a, a client that we think can help us help us get there um, in one of the other markets we're in. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking to uh, to be in places around the world, uh, not in not not at a big size, you know, 30 to 50 people in each each agency. But, uh, you know, where there's where there's really interesting things happening. Um, in, in different places around the world, we want to be there in the next, you know, five years. So um, I'm pretty focused on uh, expanding our our group um, into these different markets with, uh, you know, with great people. And one of the great joys of my life is actually travelling to different places and and meeting new people and seeing if we can we can work together. So um, it's a it's a pretty good job for me. I really like it. Can tell you're definitely passionate about it. Uh, you, you know, you've you've got a. I think when you start out as something, whatever you start out as, you've kind of got to work out what what the basis of your your love of of what you're doing is. You yeah. know, it's not always what you're doing; it's something within what you're doing. You know, and so you know, I started off as a as a graphic designer, and I think I was an okay graphic designer. Um, so I I get. I get creative and I get creative people, but I think one of the things that I, I've realised 
in that is I really love business. So I, I, I would ask a lot of questions as, as a graphic designer, more about business to really understand, you know, what, what the solution should be. But then in, in recent years, I've found out that I just really like talking to interesting uh, people and kind of pulling different types of people together to, um, you know, to see if we can, we can make a business, which is kind of the, where we got the name Zoo from. You know, it's a co- collective of, <laughs> of quite different people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what the future holds for me. So, you know, uh, find out what you love doing and, and try to do more of that and you'll be pretty happy, you know. Yeah, and you'll most likely do it well as well. It's the plan, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Paul. We really appreciate it and good luck with the future. Yeah, thanks. No, thanks for uh, the chat. It's been really good. Thank you for listening to The Honest CEO Show with Caroline Kennedy. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes for your weekly dose on all things business. We've also made it easy for you by linking the subscribe to button on the virtual executive website. Caroline shares free business tools and resources there too. And if you're stuck and need some advice, book a free 30-minute session with Caroline or one of her team. Go to www.virtualexecutive.com.au and check it out.